I'm Leanna Tankersley, and I'm beginning again. Well, we all are, right? We are constantly having to begin again with ourselves, with God, and with the people in our lives, all of which can be tricky business. So this podcast is dedicated to all the nuances of beginning again and all the things that help us step into the next new moment, especially when we're feeling stuck. Often, I welcome guests who are either beginning again themselves or who have helpful ideas on how to navigate new territory. Sometimes it's just me and you sharing a conversation. But always, I encourage you to scan your own life for the invitation to begin again. Okay, so today we are going to talk about, Elaine Hamilton and I are going to talk about family brands. And we're going to talk about what it means to, as a family, be hashtag on brand. And I'm going to start with a little background. So a couple of years ago, every member, basically, of my family of origin was going through some kind of a significant transition. And during this season, uh, because we were in transition, it was not necessarily bringing out the best in some of us. Some of us were struggling. Some of us were a little bit paralyzed. And um, we all happened to be together at a cabin in the woods having a, a small family reunion. Let me also say that this cabin um, had a bare minimum of 67 pieces of taxidermy. Oh, man. And we had, yeah, right. And we had, you know, however many kids are in my whole family of origin, like 19 or something, not that many, but a lot. And there were signs everywhere that said, don't touch the taxidermy. But it was supposed to be like a family-friendly lodge. Anyway, it was like a giant stuffed bob bobcat on a coffee table, but like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. So that alone was stressful. Okay, that was not bringing out the best in everyone. My brother, Trey, who's my younger brother, um, who is like the CEO of the family. <laughs> all the kids were off playing one night. All the adults were making dinner. And Trey is like, all right, you guys, sit down. And Trey proceeds to tell us that um, our family's awesome. Leanna, you're awesome. Mom, you're awesome. Laura, you're awesome. But nobody's on brand right now. And you guys need to get yourselves together and get on brand. You guys are awesome. Our family's awesome. Our family's always been awesome. I even think there's people that like even kind of want to be in our family. So let's start acting like that. Okay, he is like. He's on fire. He is on fire. It is halftime of a football game. We are down 20 and he's like, get back out there and get in the game. Remember who you are for crying out loud. And we like, nobody blinked for 25 minutes. And then the next thing you know, we're all sobbing, including Trey, like we're all crying because it's like, he's totally right. And like, we've lost our way because of all these hard things that were happening in our family and all these transitions that we're all going through and like, okay, what are we doing? And Trey just sits us down and he's like, let's get on brand. 
All right, everybody, let's get on brand. And our brand is, we're awesome, okay? We are awesome. Nice. And um, like even now to this day, when I get off the phone with Trey, so Trey, this is gonna go way deeper into my family history than anyone cares to go, but everyone in my family has like 37 nicknames. One of the nicknames that Trey calls me is Needles. I can't even give you the origin of this nickname. And now recently he has changed it to, or he's let it evolve to McNeedles, McNeedles. McNeedles, I like so, that. Right, now every time recently when we get off, oh, probably not even just recently, like over the last year or so, whenever we get off the phone, this is always his salutation to me. Keep kicking ass, McNeedles, <laughs> keep kicking ass. And that's kind of like our family brand. Trey, he's the Trey. best. I know, I know he is the best. So what we wanted to get on and talk about today. So I've shared that story with you, Elaine, about mm -hmm. family brand. I did not know about the bobcat and all the taxidermy though. That I can, now I can picture the whole thing a lot better. Let me tell you how stressful it is to go somewhere on a family vacation with eight children and, um, not, and then not be able to touch anything in the house. <laughs> I mean, that's a nightmare for a parent. It was a major nightmare. And we may have lost our security deposit. I don't want to say too much, but we very well may have lost our security deposit in that house. That seemed, that's fair. It's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That one's off the list. Okay. That's not a repeat. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what did happen that was memorable and important and maybe even, you know, worth the security deposit was this family branding meeting. So we were all riled up and we, I, I, I have looked back on that conversation so many times when I realized like, you know, I'm wringing my hands or I'm on the sidelines or I'm, I'm letting other people um, dictate my decisions, my boundaries. Um, and I just realized like, you know what Trey would be telling, he'd be shaking his head right now and being like, McNeedles, that is not on brand. And um, so I think that this is a helpful idea, right? Like what is on brand? to our, the families we come from, the families we want to create. And we wanted to talk about this today. And Elaine and I were going to just kind of like share some things that we feel like really reflect our family brands mm -hmm. and then encourage you as the listener to talk about that in your home. Think about that. Whether you have a family or you want to create one, what would be on brand? Nice. Love it. It's a great idea. Okay. So Elaine, you yeah. sat down with your child, your adult children, adult children, mm -hmm. and your niece. Yes, we had a we had a cocktail Zoom party the other night after the gorgeous grandbabies went to sleep. Which now I'm calling. I decided, given the whole nickname situation, I've been inspired by that in your family because that's on brand for you guys as nicknames. Mm -hmm. um, I call Katie Presh a lot short for precious and I decided to call the babies because I call them the twins mm -hmm. obviously <laughs> but that's not very exciting so I'm going to call them baby precious uh, what do you think baby precious baby love precious it. is their nickname now so anyway super fast I love it. stuff I'm sure but <laughs> so we on our zoom called Katie Josh my niece Tiffany who we're obsessed with said guys what is our family brand? Like, what are things that we regularly say to each other? What are the, what are the things that we sort of live by? Like, this is, this is us. 
and they helped me come up with a long list, some of which are inappropriate to share. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Um, everyone was having cocktails except me. So you know, that made it more exciting. So anyway, do you want me to just launch into some of those? Heck yeah. Okay. Okay. So one of the things we came up with a lot of years ago was this, this, uh, statement we're doers not talkers and again i don't know how we came up with that but i think that what we decided sort of along the way is that like we don't wait for other people to make things happen that we should we think should be happening in the world we just make them happen and we don't want to sit around and talk about how this should be this way or this should be that way or wouldn't it be great if somebody whatever um we're just like well if you want that to happen, go make it happen. Don't sit around, talk about it, get off your butt and go do it. So that became a big family motto for us. So that's something we've talked about a lot. We joke about a lot. You're going to be a doer. You're going to be a talker. What are you going to be? You know, that sort of idea. So that has stimulated a lot of, uh, I think it's, I think it's moved us forward in some ways. Like Ken, of course, really modeled that. Like he was, I think one of the things we learned about him after he passed was there, you know, as people talk about him and share memories about him, there were a lot of things that he was doing that we didn't know about. Just like, oh my gosh, you were, you were doing that? Like I had, I had no idea you were doing that. Like there was just a lot of things that he's like, well, that was a problem that he saw and he just wanted to handle it. So it's been interesting to see that about him, how how entrenched that was and in him and that that's something that the four of us really carry with us is this idea like just just go do it just go do totally. it and you and ken both um for those that don't know you and ken both started your own businesses and so i think you that's in the dna of your family that if you see a gap or you see a need or you have a way that you think you could do things do it yeah. go for it don't yeah. wait for someone else. You can do it. And, and that's definitely in the DNA of your family. And I see it in your kids. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to watch that in them. It's, it, uh, I think, you know, when I started soul care, I had had for a long time, this desire to create a space where therapy was happening. Cause I, I love doing therapy. It feels like that's what I was made to do. Um, that and decorate things Honestly, yep. I think those might be equal drives in me I'm not sure but um I really wanted I really wanted to create a space that was beautiful and I didn't have like locked doors and um that didn't feel clinical like I just I really wanted that and I worked for a long time in a larger organization where it was more clinical um and I just was like there's so much there's so much about that that this that is not a fit for me and um I think you know, prior to that, I'd spend a lot of time like inside organizations or inside a church or whatever, trying to get people to see things the way I saw them, to do things the way that I wanted them to be done. And yeah. I was like, you know what, maybe I should just stop, you know, railing against the machine and stick it to the man and all of that. What, what if I just get off my duff and go do it the yeah. way I want it to be yeah. done? Mm -hmm. And of course, it was very freeing. It was very expensive. And took a lot of time and energy. It's a risk. It's a risk to to. It's a risk for that to be part of your brand. Definitely. Totally. 
Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So we just stopped just stop talking about what I wanted it to look like, what I thought would be best for clients and just got on about providing that. Just what would it take to create that? So That's great. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes Elaine, when I'm kind of wringing my hands and can't figure out what I want to do, you, you say, just do it, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things that, that Josh said. It's like our strategies, we, we just do it and we figure it out along the way. Like, yeah, because there's so many things you can't know. You can't plan for every potential obstacle. You can't know how everything is going to play out. You just have to get started and then, okay, well, now we know that we got to figure this out. And, oh, here's an obstacle over here. So, okay, we got to do, we got to do that. Um, I think another one of the things that the kids were talking about is this concept that um, <clears throat> when I, uh, I can service the way that I said it is that, um, that the way Ken approached life was that obstacles are inevitable, but irrelevant. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that it's just like stuff is going to happen. It's going to get in the way between you and your dream or you and whatever you're trying to accomplish. And so what, right? Like if you expect there to be obstacles, then you're not going to be crying in your soup when they happen because of course there are obstacles. This is part of life. We just tackle them because they're irrelevant to the goal that we're trying to get to. And yes. Love I think that. That, that's something that um, I feel like watching Ken live his life really taught me so much about like how to just navigate, like, you know, like he would tell me about some of the things that were going on. I'd just be like, gosh, I would just like want to lie down for a week and not address <laughs> any of the things. He's, well, he's up at five in the morning. He's going back at it. Right. So um he really taught me and the kids how to do that. And um, I'm super grateful that we learned that. We learned that it's not all that scary, right? You can't actually do that. And, and that's different than the family that I come from. Like you don't take a lot of risks. You make sure that things are safe. You wanna create security. And those things aren't bad because I don't think everyone is wired for this kind of intensity. Um, I think that's something that people have to figure out on their own, like what level of intensity works for you like if you're losing sleep all the time and you know on the verge of a collapse all the time this is not a good path for you but um we like it we like some degree of intensity and so we go for that when well i i think too you know there's some of us that we get a hint of resistance in the air and it's like oh see see it wasn't meant to be mm -hmm. and i think what we've all learned from ken is that yeah well you need to expect resistance that's like, that's just gonna happen, especially if you're going for something big and something new and you're creating something. And so resistance is part of it. And we, we need to learn to like kind of metabolize it and be like, okay, yeah, it's just, it's resistance. So I need to figure out, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm on the wrong path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so good, so good. I have to, I have a memory, a visceral memory that I need to share right now. Can't wait. You and I are at the Soul Care House years ago mm -hmm. um the rent of so elaine bought this gorgeous old house in a historical district in san diego and she renovated this house which you found for us let's <laughs> make sure that we mentioned that yes well that was that's all very exciting which i happened upon and found and um elaine elaine and ken purchased and renovated to house her marriage and family therapy practice 
because she wanted, as she just mentioned, this homey atmosphere. And um, so the renovation is complete in this home. And she, she says, can you come down and like, I just want to run some decorating decisions by you or like, I want to kind of cut, like, I just like, it'd be fun to do together. Mm -hmm. Okay, you guys, I'm like sweating right now telling this story. It's, this is how much anxiety is in me. It was so very hard for you. It surprised me that it was so hard for you what I was doing. Oh my gosh. I'm literally sweating right now, recalling it. I kind of want to claw up my throat a little bit. I'm going to resist doing that. You guys, every bit of this place was perfect. The, you know, the floors had been refinished, gorgeous paint with new trim. And there was a long hallway where um, at the time clients were going to be sitting waiting to, for the therapist to call them in. And so Elaine wanted to create kind of like some interest in this long hallway, a whole long blank wall with gorgeous, um, in my memory, it was like charcoal gray paint with these, mm -hmm. these wide white baseboards. And she's like, let's do kind of like a, like a collage wall, like an open frame and chalkboard collage wall. I was like, okay, that's great. So I'm thinking like, let's get the graph paper, Let's get some um, like measuring tapes. Let's let's tape it all off, you know. So I, I so I hold up a frame like, well, I don't know. This could be good. And Elaine reaches over the top of me and drives a nail in the wall right over my head. And she's like, "That's great. Okay, next." And I was like, Elaine Hamilton, like we have got to grid this out. Like I don't know what you're doing. Just just like driving nails in this wall. And it was like, let's go. Gotta get her done. Yeah, the whole thing was done in like four minutes. It would have taken me four months. And it was gorgeous. Well, and that's the thing. Like if my, my thinking is that like, if things have to be done perfectly, I do, I do not really have an ounce of perfectionism in me, which is good and bad. But if things have to be done just right, I will never do them. It's too much for me. So yep. like, you know what? We'll just slap it up there. And then if it doesn't look great, we'll fix it. Because maybe it'll look great. Well, it did look great. And um, it took me about 10 minutes for my nervous system to recover. But um, it's so good for me to like, for me to have that branding, the exposure to that branding. Because I am... Um, I can get a little stuck in my own perfectionism. So anyway, yes. We're doers, not talkers, LT. That's what we, that's what we got to do. You're so right. You're so right. Okay. Um, and resistance is going to happen. And if resistance comes up, we, we fix it or we figure it out. We keep moving. Okay. What else? Yeah. Uh, the other thing is the phrase, remember who you are. If you recall The Lion King from many, many moons ago when that first came out, my kids were little when The Lion King came out. And of course we watched it a hundred million times. And it was something that we just sort of, we just sort of latched onto is this, the scene when Rafiki is trying to like help Simba pull himself together. And he says, remember who you are. And we just sort of got attached to that phrase. And so when the kids would like, especially when they were in high school, they would leave the house and we would like stand at the door to say goodbye to them and list off a, you know, a whole bunch of like reminders, like stick with your buddy, don't drink the punch, and then remember who you are. 
And so it just became this theme of like, this is what we say when you're leaving. And um, these are important things to keep in mind when you're at a drunken brawling party. You might just want to take a moment to just center yourself. So um, what was super fun is that when my daughter was, I don't know, late 20s, for my birthday one year, she called and she said, mom, we're getting tattoos. I'm like, okay. So I've never, and then never had the desire to get a tattoo, but my daughter called me and wanted to get a tattoo with me. And then she says, I want to say, remember who you are. And I want us to have matching tattoos. And I was like, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> That's the biggest no brainer in the history of mankind. Exactly. My daughter is not ashamed of me. She's willing to have a matching tattoo. I'm a hundred percent in, I don't care how big it is. I don't care where it is. We're, we're, put it on my face. Yeah, <laughs> put it. I'm in. <laughs> so that's what we did, and I, th I think you know. I, I know that. I know that that's not, like not a big phrase necessarily, but the idea of like, it's very helpful when you feel like you're losing yourself to take a minute and go like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's true about me? Like, who am I? Who am I? Am I a person who folds under this kind of pressure? Am I a person who talks like this to another person? Am I somebody who gets stuck like this forever? Like, who am I? That's not, that's not on brand for me. That's not really who I am, right? Man, <sighs> exactly. Like, that's another way. Like, remember who you are. It's like, remember, remember your brand and stick to it. Mm -hmm. um, I love all of that. And I see, and what's awesome, Elaine, is that I see all of that. Having spent so much time with your family over the last decade, I see all of that and it's inspiring and it's contagious. And I also love your nuance of, um, it, it does like you can come from a family of origin that has certain ways of being and you can, you can take on that and love that and want to bring that into your, your family that you create, but you can also evolve that and say, we want to be a little bit more like this or like that. And I love that you showed this evolution of kind of, this is how I operated or how my family of origin operated. And there were some positive things about that, but we really wanted to like launch our kids in a different way or in, in a, um, give them a little more risk tolerance or whatever it is. So I, I think that's inspiring too, is that we're, we don't have to be stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it's that shift between, um, uh, remember to do the right thing or remember to do what I want you to do and, and remember who you are, right? Like mm -hmm. I grew up with like a lot of rules and a lot of expectations and a desire to be good and to please and all of that. And I didn't want that for my kids. Like they're, it certainly kept me out of trouble to some degree, but it also made it very difficult for me to drill down into uh, who I actually was and what made sense for me and how I wanted to live my life and all of that. And so one of the things that I have really wanted is I, when somebody says, do you want your kids to behave? And I'm like, no, I, I want them to be who they are. Yeah. I trust that and what that is will be beautiful, right? Like that's my big wish for them is like that they would just continue to expand who they are and learn more and more about who they are and press into that um, rather than worrying about doing the right thing, right? Cause that, I think that comes along with it is like 
making healthy decisions comes along with really getting in touch with who you are, I think. I love that. I think that's actually very sound parenting advice that it's easy to default into behavior management mm -hmm. um, because it feels like we can, if we can get our kids to behave a certain way, then we've, we can, we've, we've done it, we're doing well. And this is the kind of parenting you're talking about is a little bit riskier maybe because we're saying you want to teach your child how to learn to trust themselves and how to learn to dig into who they really are. Right. And um, that's, I think, scary for some, but I love that. I think that's an inspiring uh, model for parenting. And what's been great is that sometimes I turn to the kids now that they're adults, I turn to them when I'm not sure who I am, right? Like, I guess yeah. like, um, my daughter, Katie, is an Enneagram 8, if you, if you guys know what that means. It's just like the challenger, somebody who's strong and powerful, and they tend to have more clarity, less people-pleasing for sure than an Enneagram 2, which is what I am. And so um, in, I can think of some incidences when I felt overpowered by somebody who was kind of a bully, um, and I'm like, I'm not sure how to respond. Like, that's not really in my DNA to, to fight back. I don't, I don't really know what to do. I'm just standing there paralyzed and somebody's being really mean to me. Um, and when, when that happens or when some version of that happens, I call Katie and I say, what do I do? And she's like, so she'll, you know, she'll give me the words to say, and then she'll say, mom, you are Elaine effing Hamilton. Get in there and tell him what you, tell him who you are. Exactly. exactly. Get in the game. She's like, mom, get in the game. Come on. You got this. You got this. Yeah, get in the game. Um, I love all of that. I, I reflected a little bit because I told the story about my brother kind of sitting my family of origin down and giving us a talking to. I reflected a little bit on what was, what is and was on brand for my family of origin and what have I taken from that that really inspires and informs um, how I'm raising my kids now. And one of the... <laughs> One of the things that came to mind is this phrase, the key is in the freezer. So growing up, my mom was the junior English teacher at the high school that we all went to. So my mom was my 11th grade English teacher, my brother's 11th grade English teacher. She wasn't in that role when my sister was going through high school, but she did work in the district and all that. So she was like in our business, okay? And like knew all our friends and taught all our friends. And this was like one big happy family. So we had a freezer in our garage um, where we would keep extra drinks, you know, extra deep frozen meat, whatever it was. And there was a key in that freezer. And so if you knew the code to our garage, which every kid in my high school knew, then you knew that you could get to that freezer and inside the freezer, there was a key that would open the, the door from the garage into the house. And you were, you were always welcome to come in. So, Whenever anything was ever going on or nothing was going on, the line was always like, oh, well, you know, the key's in the freezer. So we would come home and there'd be kids from school hanging out. You know, kids would beat us to the house and they knew how to get in. And I, I have always appreciated the fact that we did not have the fanciest home. We did not have the fanciest amenities at our home, but kids would come there and hang out because the key was in the freezer and they knew they were always welcome. And I think you could talk to kids now, 30 years later, 
who would say, oh yeah, I knew the key was in the freezer and I knew it was fine if I came in. And I, I want my home to always function that way, you know? Yeah, I just think that's so beautiful. It's just, it just, it sends such a clear message to kids that like you, we're thinking about you. We're thinking yeah. about you and your needs and just know that this is a place for you to come anytime you want. It's really such a beautiful thing to, to send out in the world. Yeah, and if, if there were kids that, you know, it didn't feel great to go to their house for whatever reason, right? they didn't need to come and explain anything. Mm-hmm. Just come hang out, come shoot basketballs in the, in the um, driveway, come sit on the couch, come play a game. You know, and again, like, I think what I, what I have to remember, and and maybe again, we're coming back to my own like issues with perfectionism sometimes, like it wasn't because my mom was laying out like a 10 course meal. You know, it was just like, here's some snack plates. Um, it, or here's like a huge can of Costco nacho cheese that would get like plopped into a, um, slow cooker. Mm. and a giant bag of chips and it's like I mean that's all you need to bring kids for miles around you know so all that to say I have to remember sometimes that like kids kids don't need you to be the fanciest and the um the most expensive and the most sophisticated they need to know your door's open and I I um I love that Mm -hmm. it's beautiful nice work Millie (laughs) that's right Right. And then I think um, her like reading Emily Dickinson to like a bunch of kids that are hanging out at her house. Yeah. Well, Huck Finn for sure. Huck Finn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and so with that, I think, uh, as you know, and maybe listeners know all three of the kids in my family, we were all heavily involved in athletics. We all played college sports. And so the majority of my growing up years were around sports and sporting events. And when I was thinking about this, I I was reflecting on how many freaking hours we logged with our butt on some kind of bleacher, cheering on, watching, and being there for each other. Mm-hmm. And how my mom really instilled that that's what we do. That's what we do. You're going to be at your brother's games. You're going to cheer. You're going to um, help me make scrunchies for your sister's volleyball team. Um, we're going to all wear matching outfits. Like we're, we, we are in, we're in. And you know, that was a lot of time. And that really marks my childhood, frankly, and my teen years. Um, But I look back now, we still get around the table to this day and tell stupid stories about, you know, Joey Kennedy going up the flagpole at Little League and sliding down and having to go to the emergency room because he basically broke his crotch on the flagpole. We slid down, you know, and I mean, that story can come up just like that. And we're all, you know, like in hysterics and, you know, so. I love it. And it's so true of you. Like you are, you are the biggest cheerleader I know. Right, like mm-hmm. you are just for whoever's in the room, you are for them, right? And it has saved me a million times. And my kids feel very supported by you because you are such a cheerleader. You just walk in the space and like you're in. Whatever, whatever people need, whatever people are going through, whatever people are talking about, you're in. Yeah. And that is a beautiful gift. Thank you. 
Yeah, I think that was modeled to me and I think that we value that as a family. And so um, I try to be that for my own kids. Like I'm here, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm your biggest cheerleader and I try to encourage my own kids to be that for each other. And of course, at the ages my kids are right now, it's like best of friends, worst of friends, right? There's, mm -hmm. it's not perfect. But I show them, I, I remind them, I said, look at Aunt Loach and Uncle Trayboy and mom. Look at our relationship now and look at how we're there for each other and we support each other and we laugh together. And so if you guys stick together and you guys are a pack, you know, I want you to have that because it's irreplaceable in my life. And I think that's the other thing is um, a pack mentality. <laughs> we, the, we had a pack mentality growing up. And um, I, I think that more than ever over the last three years, just with my marriage ending and the, um, the heartbreak of, I mean, just the absolute heartbreak of that, this little wolf pack came around me and um, just held their ground mm -hmm. and loved me so well and did not let me disappear and reminded me of who I was and reminded me of what was on brand for me and for our family and that I was never going to be forgotten, let go of. I was not going to fail. I was going to be okay. I was going to be caught even if I was free falling. And um, I mean, I want, I, I hope that I can give that same gift to my kids. You're doing it. You're doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think, kids learn so much from just watching and that stuff is just like it's sort of like percolates in right watching it happen feeling the emotion of it right like your kids can feel the emotion when you guys are all in the room they can I could feel it's very palpable when you guys are together when I'm with your family mm. it's very palpable how for each other you are and how deeply devoted you are to each other and your kids feel that all the time they they're experiencing that so regularly that makes lots of sense. That's, that's just getting wired in their DNA. I hope so. I hope so. Um, well, this is a, this is a, I think we could go on forever. This is like such a cool conversation. Cool to think about. I think about the word kindness, you know, like I realized that my mom putting the key in the freezer was an act of kindness to the kids that needed a place to be and a place to go. And it was a quiet way to be kind and accepting. And I think about that a lot. Like I want my home to be marked with kindness and acceptance and inclusion. Like you are welcome and you don't have to have it all together and you don't have to, you know, be a certain way, look a certain way, act a certain way. The key is in the freezer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think about, that's one of the things too that I'm, I, I feel awesome. very strongly about kindness. Yeah, I love that. So I guess we wanna leave people, leave you guys with um, just now that we have some time, <laughs> now that we have some time together uh, around the table, you know, this could make for an interesting dinnertime conversation. Like what's part of our family brand what do we want to nurture in our brand? And what does it look like when we get off brand? And uh, use that as a buzzword in your family. Like when somebody really nails it, like, man, that was so on brand. Way to go. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know what's not on brand, T-Lane? Tell me, tell me. 
uh, 67 pieces of taxidermy that children can't touch. That is not That is brand. not on brand. No, no, it is not. It's good to clarify what is and what isn't. It's very helpful. I think so. Well, I hope that this, um, it's a fun conversation for you and I, and I hope that it produces some um, just interesting uh, conversation for those that are listening. Thanks for listening, friends. You can find more information about the topics covered in today's episode on my website, leannatankersley.com. There, I share resources, links, and additional reflections on our conversation. So stop by. 1,500 years ago, St. Benedict wrote these four words, always we begin again, and they've changed me from the inside out. So I want you to remember, there's always a hand reaching towards you. There's always grace available, and there is always a chance to begin again.